0: You can see toxic positivity in a lot of personal development like what's the silver lining here or right. oh i know you're sad now but look on the bright side or you right. know just
1: optimism optimism in the trauma hiders club toxic positivity would be oh yeah that thing happened to you look how resilient you are yes fucking a what doesn't kill you makes you stronger right. i hate that i
0: hate that Fuck. so much. yes yes and so I've actually had a lot of close friends tell me until they, they started talking to me about joy. They had a lot of resistance to that messaging mm-hmm. around joy because it did feel like you've got to be happy all the time. You know, I still have to pay my taxes in my business. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring me a lot of joy to do it, but I'll do it. So I'm not saying hundred percent of the time, just lean into what's the most joyful thing and neglect other things. It's just how can
1: it be a foundation of what you do? You're a high achiever. On paper and through the eyes of others, you've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is you feel unwanted, unworthy, and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you, I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at KarenGoldfingerBaker.com. My guest today is Aaron Baker, which sounds a lot like Karen Baker, but I digress. Aaron, a doctor of social psychology and a recovered big tech employee is a coach, occasional podcaster, and the author of their soon to be released book, Joyful AF. This conversation is full of joy and truth and reflection. Listen for what happens at the intersection of business and authenticity. Spoiler alert, it's joyful as fuck. And it's all right here in the Trauma Hiders Club. Aaron Baker, PhD. This is the Baker Family Jamboree.
0: <laughs> that's right. Welcome.
1: Welcome to the Baker Family Jamboree. <laughs> oh, yeah, I feel like it's the family reunion I've never had. That's right. That's right. We are connected by last name, but we're actually not related. Yeah, I think that's important yeah. to say. However, I'm curious. I see guitars in the background, I see music as a big part of your life. What song? is most played on your Spotify playlist?
0: Ooh, that's interesting. Right now, I am obsessed with a version of Paint It Black, which is the old, I think, Rolling Stones song, but it's by Sierra.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah, I discovered it a few months ago, and I typically will get into songs for a month or two, and then I'll just never want to hear it again. And this one, for some reason, has just been over and over and over again and i just i, I love the intensity of it mm. i'm actually not sure what the song is about but um it's just something about it it brings me joy the intensity of the, the darkness actually yeah do you
1: use it like to set the mood or to be inspired or to release how do you use that oh that's a great question because i i love
0: music for all of those things mm-hmm. I think it's when I am wanting to get amped up, whether it's because I need to release an emotion or I just need to feel pumped for something. Mm-hmm. I will listen to it because I will belt it along with playing
1: it. Love that. But yeah, yeah, so that is, that's like pump up, release. That's all the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. I've been listening to, it's a song that TikTok like made sort of famous and now it's on Spotify. Oh, it's by this woman, Jax, and it's about Victoria's Secret. It's like, I know Victoria's Secret, and basically Victoria's Secret is, a, is an old man in Columbus, and it's about body image. Oh, wow. It's a cool song. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And I've been seeing videos of, it's really, it's like stuck in my head, and I've been seeing videos of like little girls using it in like camp talent show. And it's become an anthem. I'll send you a link to it. We'll yeah. Put a li- and we'll put a link yeah. on the website. Like the first time I heard it, I got really choked up and it was a fucking TikTok song. <laughs> and I'm sitting here going
0: kids these days with the the newfangled TikTok. Right. And things going viral. And that's that's hilarious to me as someone who used to work... <laughs> in the social media world. But right. oh, this newfangled thing called TikTok
1: is <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think they named it TikTok because the clock just ticks and you are sucked into this vortex. Yeah. I've heard that rumor. I'm
0: yeah. I will I've refused to go down that that vortex. It does not bring me joy to be no. on TikTok.
1: No. But you know it's interesting. There are um here, not that I'm gonna make a plug for TikTok. I have found that there are people old you know, not teenagers, um who are in the personal growth space, some who are completely full of shit, but some people have like cool things to say. Yeah. Also, there's organization tips. And damn, do I love people? <laughs> I love to watch people clean. Okay. Isn't that fucking weird?
0: Mm, my, my wife would, I'm sure, have the same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's it's something like,
1: very satisfying about... It really is. There really is. It's pretty cool. Okay, but that's not why we're here so tell me this is usually a last question but i'm gonna ask it now Mm. what are you most excited about in your world right now Mm. i know why it's the last
0: question because it's Mm -hmm. a big deal so at the time we're recording this i am two and a half weeks away from launching my first book which has been a two-year endeavor that has been, and I'll tell you more about the book in a second, but it has been the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. And I did a PhD. Mm. It was the most confronting. It had me dealing with all of my insecurities, all of my beliefs about myself. And it took a whole lot of learning about how my nervous system and how my brain works to get this book out and the book is called joyful af the essential business strategy we're afraid to put first and Mm. it all stemmed from realizing that that has been my number one success secret i didn't even know i didn't even know that the word existed i Mm. knew other people who talked about joy and i thought you know that's for them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not for me. And then when I started really getting into the book, I kept noticing, Oh, everything I've ever done for success, at least in my business was for joy, or putting joy first. And then I started realizing and everything I keep doing writing this book is losing the joy. Mm. So the whole book is about becoming deeply embedded in my message so I could actually get this book out.
1: So you went from experiencing joy, in your mm-hmm. successful coaching practice, now you're writing a book and it's not joyful AF, right? Not even really There's the resistance, right? Yep. Resistance killer of joy. Mm-hmm. And when you embodied joy, that's when it all flowed. Yes. And yeah. it took
0: multiple instances of, okay, I think I have the joy back. Oop, nope, lost the joy. I think I have the joy back. And it just finally clicked about... February, March this year. And the, the secret for me was that I learned through, you know, I had a couple podcasts a couple years ago. I learned that I was actually better at speaking, not better at speaking, a whole lot of barriers would go away when I would speak. Mm. And as soon as I'd open up Microsoft Word, my academic self would come out and I was not happy with how I was writing. And so at one point we made the decision, we being my book coach and I, that I was just gonna record everything audio in Otter AI. And so the entire first draft of the book was almost 60,000 words, the book's longer than that now, but almost 60,000 words was recorded into my phone. And that's how I found the joy, is I felt like I was speaking to my listener. And I was remembering my time, I put my podcast on pause to write the book, but I was remembering how much I love the connection of speaking to people. And so the book is written conversation style. It's in smaller chunks. It's not traditional chapters. And I literally thought of who am I talking to as I'm like phone up to my mouth <laughs> pacing
1: around my office. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And what I what when you were telling this this story of going from, you know, Microsoft Word to Otter, I imagined when you opened your, you know, when you opened up Word, and you sat there, Your what was happening in your body was the experience, the actual nervous system experience, mm-hmm. that remembering that, like, I have a deadline from your PhD and mm-hmm. that doesn't sound fun. Yep, there was that piece. There was
0: also the nervous system around, I will call it academic training. You could also say some of it's academic trauma, mm-hmm. but around know, in in the academic world, you got to sound smart. Yeah. You got to defend every argument to the death with data or citations. And you're constantly being criticized. Mm. When you send off an academic article to a journal, the chance of someone coming back and telling you your ideas suck is pretty high. And unfortunately, in academia, people don't know how to separate feedback on the ideas from feedback on the person. Mm. Yeah. Right. And so I just found myself automatically every time Microsoft Word opened having those barriers and I wasn't even conscious of them, but it it really came up because at one point I was looking at something I posted on Instagram. It was on toxic positivity. And then I tried to take it to Word and I read what I I read Instagram post and the Word document and I was like, oh my gosh, this is two different people. Mm. And so my book coach said, well, which voice do you like better? And I said, well, the Instagram one, of course. And then she said, well, we need to get you not opening Microsoft Word. So brilliant. Yeah. So easy,
1: right? And so brilliant.
0: Yeah. But then I had to confront the like, am I a real writer if I'm writing this and all All kinds of stuff? That's why I say it's the most confronting process. I got to know myself so well and confront every little belief about, am I a good enough writer? Am I saying something meaningful? And
1: who wants to hear from me? Who wants to hear from me yeah what the fuck do i know yeah i don't know i don't know
0: anything i talk a lot with my coaching clients about this idea of the curse of knowledge Mm. so everything once you know it it becomes obvious yeah right and so the whole time i'm writing the book i'm like isn't this obvious isn't this obvious (laughs) no (laughs) no it's not it's not no aaron when does the book come out It comes out Wednesday, September 7th on Amazon. And for the first 10 days or so, the Kindle version will be 99 cents because my goal is to just spread the joy as far and wide as possible. So check it out then. And in the meantime, you can follow me at Dr. Erin M. Baker on Instagram or come to my website. If you need some reminder that it's coming out, I will be sending out lots and lots of newsletters and social media leading
1: up to it. Fabulous. I want to go back to when did you leave the social media world and go off on your own as a coach? I left Facebook mm-hmm.
0: almost five years ago. It was actually, my book launch is almost the same day I left Facebook five years later.
1: Oh, wow, cool.
0: <laughs> so five years ago, and then I was at Microsoft for a year. And I don't know if you can consider Microsoft's Yammer or a social network, it's like a workplace network. But I left that in 2018. So okay. I've been full-time coaching for about four years now. Okay.
1: And one of the things that you said earlier was what helped to make your practice successful was executing with joy. Yes. How did you get there? I don't imagine the Facebook and Microsoft experience (laughs) were the places that inspired you to be the joyful human you are. Yeah. Other than, you know, sort of rebound. How did that come in?
0: I love this question because yeah, my experience at Facebook was the antithesis Mm -hmm. of that. And part of that was knowing when I left to start my business, that I couldn't do the errand that was showing up at Facebook. I couldn't do the the errand that was showing up at Microsoft. Well, actually Microsoft was a little bit better. Um, I kind of knew by the time I left Facebook that I had this entrepreneurial bone in my body. I just didn't know I was going to go into coaching. So I'll tell you when I was at Facebook, and I know you've you've worked with people in this world, so it's imp- yes. you, you get it. Everything is moving at a million miles an hour. Everything is always on fire everybody in that place is trying to prove their enoughness on a daily basis Mm. and doing it through a six month cycle. I know Facebook has changed recently to a year long performance review cycle, but it was at six months. And so I have this metaphor that I've uh, come up with, which it was kind of like every six months I was swimming up from the bottom of the ocean Mm. because the pressure was just so much, right? To, To perform, perform, perform. And, I had some early times where I wasn't performing according to my boss, longer story back there, but so the pressure was just mounting. So i I felt like every six months I was swimming up, trying to get to the surface as fast as possible, relieve the pressure, right? Catch air. And then I'd get to that performance review. I'd get my exceeds expectations and you know, you're doing great, Aaron, or I would get the promotion. And then I'd sort of take a deep breath on the water surface. And then the next day, Oh, Performance cycles began right back at the bottom of the ocean.
1: Mm.
0: And I decided when I left corporate, that was, there was no way to continue living. So I sought out mentors and coaches who could help me find a different way. And Mm. that was, I invested in my first year in coaching in a one-on-one coach and two different coaching communities. And I just kept looking at everybody going, how are they doing this? Mm and who seems to be doing this in a way that feels good and yeah. sustainable. And I kept finding out, Oh, they're finding ways to have fun and have joy. How about that? And, and I didn't have the word joy in my work vocabulary, yeah. but it turned out when I started doing a backwards exercise, looking at, Oh, when have I been the most successful in my business? And it's, Oh, when I've been leaning into my joy. And then I said, well, what does that mean? What is joy? And so I looked at what does it feel like to be joyful? And I was like, oh, it feels connected to you know, myself, who I am, what I care about, what makes me feel alive, right? And then I thought it's when I'm in a space of curiosity. So I brought my, I have an experimental mindset from grad school and I just immediately in, in my business became an experimenter and I realized, oh, when I'm in experimental mode, I'm curious. And I'm not making meaning of the data, right? So I try to enroll a client and nope, they say no. Okay, great. That's a data point, Mm -hmm. not a meaning, right? Right. Right. And then I looked at, oh, I feel really joyful when I'm taking courageous risks, but not the ones that are like shutting my nervous system down, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) but the ones that are just right at the edge, right? And then I felt, oh, and I'm really joyful when I feel creative. And so I just started looking at, oh, joy is this rich, thing that's all about coming back to, to me, nice. my liveness, my playfulness, my creativity. Yeah. Once I started realizing that, then I became, okay, how do I be intentional about this? Because mm-hmm. for the first couple of years, I wasn't intentional. It just happened to be, that's what was creating my success. And I had no idea.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So tell me, how do we know if we're joyful? If we haven't been intentional, how do we know? Yeah. So this is a great question. Cause I,
0: I talked to so many people about joy to just try to get to, well, what is this thing? And I, being a scientist, looked at the academic literature, no consensus there. One thing I will say is that I don't think there's a universal definition Mm -hmm. of what it means to be joyful. I believe it is a full body experience. Only you can describe for yourself and you may not even be able to put it into words. So the only thing I'll say is you'll know if you're joyful, if you feel it in your body, Mm. How do you feel it in your body? Mm, that's a great question. First of all, I just feel my body a lot, mm-hmm. which I was working at Facebook, not connected to at all. That's no. been a big Heads part up. of, <laughs> right. yeah, big part of my journey. It's a fullness and it's a warmth for mm. me. Nice. And for me, joy is not necessarily always happy. Yeah. Joy could be I'm sitting with a client and we've just hit something very deep and painful for them. And I'm feeling joy because I am present and witnessing mm-hmm. this very wonderful human yeah. having a wonderfully human experience. Nice. Right? Nice. Yeah. So it's usually that feeling of just like, yeah, I feel my body and I feel really grounded in it and warm and fuzzy.
1: Where do you feel the warmth? Usually close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. I am sitting here imagining, right? Yeah. For me. And for me, it's like thighs down to my calves and shins and my toes get a little bit buzzy. Mm. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, like about to go numb, but it's not that. Yeah. So that's a little bit of flip flop in my gut. Yeah. But it's it's waist down, which is interesting. That is very interesting, and that's why I think it's so fascinating. Right? Is it can show
0: up so differently for different people.
1: Yeah.
0: And the I think the most fun thing is discovering what is joy to you. Right. Right.
1: So when you imagine joy, let's say, I don't know, like somebody. Well, we're doing it here. What your joyful life looks like. So if we were to have like live streaming video, and we saw we. Don't we're not gonna see how it feels, but we saw you in business for for example. What would we see? Yeah.
0: There's a lot of different pieces of it in terms of seeing actions. Mm-hmm. Joyfulness for me is figuring out what is business done my way. Mm. So it's what do I care about? What feels fun for me to explore? you know there's a million ways to build a business so you know hopefully if you see me say on instagram it's because that's what's bringing me joy and not mm-hmm. because of what i should do right it's also looking around at, there's a lot of ways we lose our joy by sort of looking around at other people and trying to be other people mm-hmm. so you might see me looking at other people but be, being able to come back home and say what do i like about that other person's program or what mm-hmm. they're doing what's my way of doing it so this distinction i make is the what's my way versus what is the right way mhm so you'd see a lot of that you'd see a lot of me getting connected on how much do i want to be working when rest is a big part of joy you know finding the right schedule you know for me taking phone calls from friends in the middle of the day is joy and on an emotional level you'd see me willing to experience the fullness of my humanity so i think a big misconception is that joy is this you've got to be happy you know, sunshiny rainbows all day long. And it to me, that borders on toxic positivity. Right. Define toxic positivity. So toxic positivity, at least to me, is being positive at all costs. Mm-hmm. Right. You can see toxic positivity in a lot of personal development, like what's the silver lining here? Or, right. oh, I know you're sad now, but look on the bright side. Or, you right. know, just
1: optimism, optimism. In the Trauma Hiders Club, toxic positivity would be, oh, yeah, that thing happened to you. Look how resilient you are. Yes. Fucking A. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. I hate that. I hate that Fuck. so much. Yes.
0: Yes. And so I've actually had a lot of close friends tell me until they, they started talking to me about joy, they had a lot of resistance to that messaging mm-hmm. around joy because it did feel like you've got to be happy all the time. You know? I still have to pay my taxes in my business. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring me a lot of joy to do it, but I'll do it. So I'm not saying hundred percent of the time just lean into what's the most joyful thing and neglect other things. It's just how can it be a foundation of what you do? And joy to me is, yeah, it's, I write joyful, like mm-hmm. F-U-L-L, because nice. I believe in the fullness of our humanity. And so joy to me is the ability to be with grief, with Mm. sadness. There's joy in that. Mm -hmm. The ability to, you know, be, I talk about this in the book a little bit, you know, you can be an experimenter and say data point, data point, but like, don't do that at the expense of feeling your feelings. Oh, I can be disappointed that this client didn't enroll. (laughs) Data point doesn't mean anything about me, but I'm disappointed. Yes. And I can be with the, oh, we're in an economic recession. Let me be with the anxiety <laughs> right. or be with the anxiety
1: around the COVID scare, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really nice. When you introduce joy, if you're out there, I'm writing a book, Joyful AF, what's the response you get from people who aren't necessarily, like, let's imagine you went to a reunion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you had this experience where you're like, I'm writing this book, it's Joyful AF. How do people receive that? Yeah. I'm going to set up another another parameter here. Okay. How do people receive that who aren't in your world? So for the most part, people are very curious. Mm -hmm.
0: And that's because I think there's two pieces here. One is that we're not taught about joy in our professional lives there's almost this compartmentalization we do where it's okay to be joyful in our personal lives but why in the hell would we put that into our professional lives right so i get a little bit of we we're talking about bringing joy into a profession it doesn't matter that it's business that's they're curious about that and then i think a lot of business folks even if they're not you know specific business owners i work with they're like but you know, key performance indicators and strategy. And, you know, you're telling people to go willy nilly. (laughs) And so there's a lot of resistance to this coming out of the logic, hard data strategy world. And what I try to tell people is, I absolutely think you can have those. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you have the best strategy in the world, but you don't feel joy in your work, you're not gonna survive. So it's about joy being at the foundation, do whatever you need to with the rest. (laughs) Yeah. But there's a lot of resistance and a lot of people go, but if I follow my joy, won't I fail? Hmm. I imagine. I have a really good friend who I said, try on this phrase. She loves this phrase, chase excellence and success will chase you. I said, try this on chase joy and success will chase you. And she kind of went, oh, yeah. And then immediately I saw her body reacted and I said, okay, what's going on? And she said, well, I just imagined me on the couch eating McDonald's, watching mm. Netflix. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's interesting. Yeah. That you you probably need some rest right, right now if that's what you imagined. But then we started going through her associations. One of the things she said is joy makes me a lazy motherfucker. mm and I went, wow. The And these are our cultural associations with joy, right? Joy has no place in our professional life. Joy will take you away from success, from your goals, right? You need yeah. to be
1: miserable to be successful. Right. It, you have to struggle. You have to struggle. Yeah. If you're not struggling, it is just, it's not worth it. Right. right? It's got to be hard. Right. Yeah. And just the fact that joy
0: has sort of been labeled, right, as this almost not okay emotion to feel
1: mm-hmm.
0: is yeah. just fascinating. And I think that's a lot of just the the ways our, our cultural systems, I mean, capitalism, hustle and grind culture, like, I could go on about our cultural systems because I think they are very
1: much geared towards us not feeling our
0: joy. Joy is threatening.
1: <gasps> yeah, I love that. So often when I'm working with, a corporate group they think that they're coming in for like leadership you know to uplevel their leadership mm-hmm. and we are but not in the way they ever have all i'm doing is talking about love i may not say the word love all that often but i absolutely put it in there mm-hmm. right that this is love this is about connection and support and joy and self and the other and communication and all of it yeah so it's and especially with like a group like facebook they're like love yeah w- that's not what we're here for we love one another, like we love our teammates but we can be leaders with love what
0: that's fascinating because when yeah. i first joined facebook one of our models was ship love So like any product service that went out was, you know, shipping to the world, ship Mm. love. And so that it's interesting that they've kind of lost that.
1: Yeah. I don't know that they have. They just needed to be reminded. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. And it's hard, I would say, in that
0: environment where everything is, as much as, uh, and Facebook's an example of multiple companies, as much as they want to have people just following their own growth and doing what they're, they're the best at that underlying, how am I going to be, um, reviewed? Mm. Yeah. And, and that sort of always looking towards what is the thing that's going to get me the best, the, re- the review, the promotion, all that really takes people out of that self connection and, and out of that place of love. And so it just makes sense that of course, like if I'm, if I, and if you start gathering evidence that, you know, misery makes me successful. Right. Right. That's I had that right. evidence at Facebook. The more I worked myself to the bone, the the higher I went. That's right. So that if that's the evidence, I have no evidence that joy
1: works. Why right.
0: the heck would I change tax?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Have you introduced, have you worked with a a, a corporate group and talked about joy? I've worked with
0: a small team okay. around joy, but I've, you know, I've this has been an interesting part of my joy journey As I'm talking a lot to business owners right now, but my joy is really, I don't like having a niche. I think they're, they're BS. And so I've had individual clients at different corporations. Yeah. So it's more of a, do I like this human in front of me? Do I feel like I can help this human in front of me? Are they ready to work with me? Great. And so I've kind of had people from all over, but not a lot of teams, just one team that I worked with briefly. Okay.
1: Okay. When you look back on your life, I imagine it's earlier days before you were aware of Mm -hmm. joyful joy, knowing that it's available to you. It's a way of being. What was in the way of you seeing that joy was something for you to choose, embody and be? Mm. That question hits deep for me because I I can
0: say, I can look back on multiple areas of my life but it really came to a head for me learning what was in the way my first year in business Mm. so i was working with this wonderful coach and she said go live on facebook for 100 days um, or 90 days i think it was 90 days all in service of what's your message get yourself out there and i went through a complete nervous system meltdown Mm those lives are still there. I did them and I kind of got through it, but I didn't realize that I was literally bumping up against trauma
1: Mm -hmm. and stuff that
0: my head thought was no big deal. Right. So there were the thoughts like, well, gosh, I'm about to put myself out there. What are my former Facebook colleagues going to think of Mm -hmm. me being a kooky coach now? Mm -hmm. What are my PhD advisors going to think of me? You know, I'm going to be taking up space and feed, which at that time, you know, an everyday live was, that was a a lot of to be doing. So like my head was going like, Oh yeah, I can see that I have these fears. And I was telling myself, Aaron, you have to eat fear for breakfast. Mm You just got to keep, you got to keep moving through. And meanwhile, my nervous system, I was panicking. Mm -hmm. every day curled up on the floor crying you know before or after the lives not telling my coach that this was going on because I was so afraid that she'd find out that she had taken on somebody who was a wimp Mm. and not cut out for this and I found out later that I was overriding my nervous system and there's a difference between being uncomfortable and kind of moving through discomfort and your nervous system being unsafe and so That story is really poignant for me because if I look back through all of my life, it's when I was continuing to put my nervous system in unsafe spaces and telling myself, this is what makes me enough. This is what makes me a good person. You're wrong for being so scared Mm -hmm. or you're wrong for wanting to do things your way. Those times when I lost the most joy because I was just keeping the trauma in my nervous system going trauma that I couldn't have articulated as real trauma because my head was like, but Aaron, like, okay, you're just like, turn your video on.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. This is what you're supposed to do. This is how you build a business. This is how you move forward. Also, somebody who is successful told me to do this. Clearly, this is the path.
0: Clearly, this is the path. And if I can't do it, there's something wrong with
1: me. I'm not cut out for this. Mm hmm and all the messages that we get reinforce that yes yeah this whole business building thing is like if you're not grinding if you're not like sleep is you can sleep when you're dead Shit like
0: that right yeah and like you know you have to be out there and be visible you have to be a thought leader and you know being surrounded by people who are like Our mutual friend, Varian Brandon had done like 400 or so lives in a row and became very successful and was like, Oh, but no one had told me that I needed to deal with my fear of taking up space, my fear of being seen all stuff that was, you know, little T trauma from both childhood and also being someone socialized female in the world. Also someone who's non-binary and has to put themselves out there all the time, like all these little traumas. And I'm going, they're not
1: relevant to business. Yes, they are. <laughs> yes, they are. Right? Right. Because here we are in business and here right. we are with family and here we, and no matter where you go, there you are. All your there shit you are is coming with you. Yep. Yeah. When, when you said these 90 days of lives, I, I got really sad and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that is just soul crushing. Yeah. It, it hurt my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: it was a deeper thing. And the thing I had to learn, I kept trying to to get over my fears of visibility. So I joined a couple of Varian's programs at one point. I joined another program trying to Band-Aid mm, with, right. oh, Varian's going to give me prompts. Okay, great. Those will help me get, get going on social media. Or, oh, here's someone who teaches good strategy. And what I didn't realize is that I had to do some deep work. And it's only been in the last few months where I actually feel good showing up on social media. Nice. Because... I needed to find, I needed to find the joy through finding my way through the trauma.
1: Yeah. Be able to recognize what's happening inside and know that it's there for good reason. Yes. Right. I always say that fear and love have the same energy. Mm. I think they're dance partners. Mm -hmm. I think of, when I think of fear, especially when I was creating my business, the fear that of held me back. I then imagined one of my parents putting on a seatbelt, putting on my seatbelt when I couldn't do it myself. They did that out of love, right? They don't want me to go through the windshield. Mm-hmm. And they feared that I would go through the windshield. Mm-hmm. And so that image of the seatbelt really stuck in my mind. So when I have, when fear bubbles up, I'm like, all oh, right, fear. What are you telling me now? Right? There's there's a big there's a big flame of love that's coming right with it. Right? It's either be cautious or what are you actually doing here? Or I'm here to protect you, and yet you have choice. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the love part. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's a beautiful way of thinking about it. I often think that the path to joy is going first through yourself and getting to understand, I like to talk in parts language, like get to know the parts of yourselves yourself and where are they showing up to protect you Mm -hmm. lovingly? Where can you get curious and compassionate towards them? And joy is not necessarily, uh, you have to go see a a sunset or go see rainbows. Joy can be the, oh, I've just unblocked myself from a protection that I didn't know
1: was there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really became in touch with my joy when I was going through EMDR. Mm. We've talked about EMDR before on this show. I'll say what it is again. It's eye movement desensitization response, I think is the R. I think that is. I think so. I didn't do eye movement. I had these little vibrating paddles in both hands. Mm. And I remember, although every session was very heavy, every time I walked out, I could like see a balloon in the sky. It was, I mean, it, that's how it felt like, Oh, there's a red balloon in the sky. Um, there were no balloons in the sky, but I imagined that prior to it, that I was sort of built of cement blocks mm-hmm. and that with each session, one by one, one of those cement blocks would be removed. Sometimes it would be a half of a block and sometimes it would be two blocks all at once. But that, I didn't know at the time, and the more I dug into it, I realized, oh, I am like chipping away to get that I can have joy. I can be joy. I can show up in joy, and I can also have a lot of fuckery in my life at the same Mm -hmm. time. One of my favorite words in the English language is and. I had a whole podcast on it for a while, and it's, you can have joy and. Yes. Fill in the blank. That's right. That's right. So cool. Yeah. Tell me, what's been most helpful for you today being in the Trauma Hiders Club? Mm. Honestly,
0: so my two biggest passions are joy and trauma-informed coaching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And some people tell me like, I don't get how those two are related. And I said, they're completely related. Absolutely. I don't have two separate messages here. It's just, I need to weave them together at times. And so it's been such a wonderful joy to be able to be in conversation about these two things that are just the same thing to me. Yeah. And be able to articulate that and to to be just also around somebody else who's normalizing this conversation around trauma it's just become so present in my life in the last few years. And the more awareness I have in personal development on how much it's been ignored, Mm -hmm. the more I just want to shout from the root So I'm just really grateful to be here and present with you as you're having these conversations.
1: Nice. Yeah. It's been great having you here, Erin. And I'm filled with joy. Yeah, me too. (laughs) You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.